I'll tell you just a little bit of my story, and you'll be able to answer any, ask any questions uh, that you have at that time. But this is worship time, and that's what we're going to spend this time uh, doing. Uh, this is my first time to stand before you, and so uh, I want you to know a couple of things about me. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm an Aggie, and because I'm an Aggie, uh, I have to keep things very, very simple, okay? I, I, I can't get complicated. Uh, I have to be very, very simple in what I do. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, Texas A&M got a new president. And when he got there, he found out that there was a student that had been there like 20 years and he couldn't graduate. And they were thinking, man, uh, what can we do about this guy? And he said, we got to get this guy out of here. We either got to flunk him out or we got to get him uh, graduated, one or the other. And so he said, I'll tell you what, we're going to give this guy one question. And if he can answer this one question correctly, he will graduate. And if he misses it, then, well, we're just going to have to let him go, right? And so all the students at A&M found out about this, and so like 50,000 students packed Kyle Field, and this guy is standing on the 50-yard line, and the president gets up and he says, here's your question. What is two plus three? The guy scratched his head, he thought a minute, and then he said, five? And 50,000 Aggies said, oh, give him another chance. (laughs) Some of y'all will get that later. See, some of you don't get it right now. It's all right. But I want to start today by, by talking about setting a baseline, okay? This is my first time to stand before you, and I want to set a baseline because I believe that there are two great streams that run through the Bible. There's the stream of God's grace and love, and there's a stream of God's commandments, the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. And if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, we have to keep those in tension. You know, you can't, you can't have one without the other. But I always told the churches I pastored, if we ever err on one side or the other, I want us to err on the side of grace and love. I want us to err on the side of grace and love. And so today I want to talk to you about love. Because I think love is a baseline for everything that a Christian does and everything that the church does. You know, I, but before I get started, I just want to say, you guys need to loosen up, okay? Y'all, y'all I don't think I've ever walked into a church that was looser than you guys. And, and, I, and, and I, that's a good thing. I, I, you know, I think I'll fit right in, okay? I, that, that'll be a good thing. So anyway, today I want to talk to you about the importance of love. It's not a scripture you haven't heard before, 1 Corinthians 13. You can all probably quote it. But the great uh, New Testament scholar C.H. Dodd once said this, There is no religious experience... There is no religious experience that does not express itself in love. No religious experience that does not express itself in love. But what is love? You know, a thousand different things are labeled love today, and most of them have very little to do with what God says love is. Infatuation, lust, envy, anger, jealousy, even hate are all labeled love or justified in the name of of love. The terrible human tragedy in Syria today can be explained in one sentence. You know what that sentence is? Those folks don't love each other. 
You see, that stuff wouldn't happen if they loved each other. All human tragedy, no, let me say it stronger. All sin and evil that man inflicts on his fellow man or on himself can be blamed on a lack of love or love that is misplaced. It's important that we love. What does our scripture say? 1 Corinthians 13. Well, you know what? I've made my first mistake here with you guys because I actually um, put my notes where the scripture should be. So hold on a second. All right. 1 Corinthians 13. And that says... If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not proud. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it just keeps no record of wrongs. I, I have a sermon that I preach sometimes, it's called Keeping Score, that talks about that. We, we may get to that, we may not. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. So, what does our scripture here tell us? Today, as we get started, it tells us that the most important thing in all of the world is love. Excuse me a second. The most important thing in all of the world is love. Love is more important than what? Talent. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, love is more important than intelligence, if I can fathom all mysteries. Love is more important, whoa, than even faith. If I have the faith to move mountains, love is more important than even sacrifice. If I give my body to my burned, I gain nothing if I don't have love. All of these things impress us. Talent Man, that impresses me. When I hear somebody that's a great singer or, you know, you guys up here, y'all have a lot of talent leading you in worship. That sort of thing impresses me because I don't have those talents. When we, we watch the Olympics, I mean, it's just unbelievable what those people can do. That sort of thing, it, it impresses me. Intelligence impresses me. When I, when I run across somebody, I say, man, that guy is a really, really smart guy. That impresses me. When somebody has great faith... That impresses me. And when somebody's willing to sacrifice for something, that impresses me. And yet the Bible here in our text today says that love is more important than all those things. Now, now don't walk out of here and say the pastor doesn't believe that sound doctrine is not important. It's very, very important. But this text tells us that love is more important than all of those things. Love is something that we decide to do. Did you know that in the Greek, that word, it, it, it's, a, it's a verb. It's a doing word. It's not, it's not a feeling. It's an action. And so we choose to love 
Because love is a verb. Love is something we decide to do. Love is not something that you fall into. I'm sorry. Love is not even a feeling. Love is expressed by positive actions. And how do we know this? Because Paul tells us this. Look at what he says. Love is patient and kind. Those are positive actions. Love protects. That's a positive action. It trusts. It hopes. It perseveres. It rejoices in truth. All positive actions. Love is a positive action. Love is never expressed in negative actions. You hear that? How many times have you heard a guy, you know, he gets mad at his girlfriend and he hits her because he's jealous. Well, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't love her. I'm sorry. That's not love. That's not love. Love is never expressed in negative actions. But you would not believe how many people I've counseled with down through the years that explain away terrible actions. Oh, because he loves me. Or she loves me. That's not love, my friends. That's not, you're going to find I'm pretty plain spoken to. That's not love. Love is never expressed in negative actions. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not delight in evil. Love is something we decide to do. Another thing we need to understand is love is a commitment. Let's face it, by the world's definition, most married couples uh, don't, don't love each other all the time. Sometimes we don't even like each other by, God's love, by, by the world's definition of love. Amen? Yeah, some of you are louder than others, you know. <laughs> some of you are thinking it, but you're not saying it. But love is a commitment. It's a commitment through thick and thin. It's a commitment through the good times and the bad times. Some of you may still be saying, well, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still not buying into this love is an action thing. It, it's more than that. I agree. Love is more than that. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I will know if you love me if you keep my commandments. Now, that's not me talking. That's Jesus talking. I'll know if you love me if you keep my commandments. You see, Jesus knew that what we really care about, what we believe in our hearts, what, what we really, really, really care about will be shown in our actions. A few years ago, I was part of this, this uh, group, and, and there was one group that was trying to take over the big group. And, 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 and the one problem I had with the group that was trying to take over the big group was that they weren't supporting the group. And I got up at a big convention one, one day and I said, you know, I don't have any trouble supporting my children because I love my children. I'm willing to support them. I'm willing to take care of them. I'm willing to sacrifice for them. I have a hard time with people that want to take over something, but they don't want to support it. They don't want to, they don't want to, 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 to sacrifice for it. And so the bottom line is God knows if you love something by how much you invest in it. 
If you love this church, I'm just going to put... If you love this church, you'll invest in this church. You will. If you love this church, you'll invest in this church. If you love this church, they'll be able to depend on you for your time and your, your uh, resources and, and your talents. If you love this church. If you love the Lord, the Lord knows that you're going to to the very best you can with the power of the Holy Spirit live the life that He wants you to live. Now, here again, none of us are perfect and we're never going to be there till we get to glory. But, but God knows if you love Him. You see, it's important. Love is something that we decide to do. Now, this raises a question. Can everyone love? Can everyone love? You know, we live in a society today where, you know, we've got post-traumatic stress syndrome, and I believe that's a real thing, but, but people talk about how that affects the way they live their lives. And we've even got people that say, well, you know, I'm genetically wired to where I just can't love. I'm, that's just not who I am. You know, at my former church, uh, the, the guy that preceded me was a hugger. He was a hugger, man. He just hugged all the old ladies, you know, and they loved him. Not a hugger. Not not a hugger. And so they would come up to me and they didn't think I liked them at first because I wasn't just hugging everybody as I walked down the halls. And I had to tell them, not a hugger. You know what? They taught me to be a hugger. <laughs> don't, don't ever mess with your senior ladies. I'm telling you, they're, they're going to win every time. But, but the bottom line was that that, that was kind of who I was, but... But they taught me how to show that in a way that they wanted me to. But let me tell you, there's no excuse not to love. There's no excuse not to love. Can everyone love? The answer is a resounding yes. Look it up later, but in 1 Thessalonians 4.9, we find... A Greek word called theodidaktoi. Now, I'm not going to get real complicated with you most of the times, but I, I think this is important. Theodidaktoi. Theos is the Greek word for God. Didaktoi is the Greek word for teaching, to teach. And so what this word says is that we are literally taught by God to love. Theodidaktoi. Now, you know where I'm going. We, as conservative evangelical Christians, we believe that the Bible is true. Amen? And we believe that God can do anything. Amen? And so if the Bible tells us that God will literally teach you to love, then one of two things is going on if you're not loving. One of two things. Either God can't do what he says he can do, or you're not letting him. Right? So we have no excuse not to love. None whatsoever. Because maybe we're not wired that way. And maybe we didn't grow up in a family that was loving. And quite, Look, man, I'm telling you, if you were not brought up in a loving environment, it is difficult to love. It is difficult to learn how to love. That, that's an absolute fact. But it's also an absolute fact that God will teach you to love. Theodidactoi. Taught by God 
to love. So, if we believe the Bible is true, we believe our God is all-powerful, the Bible says that we are literally taught by God to love, then we have no excuse not to do so. Either God can't teach us or we don't want to learn. If God can't teach us, it's His fault. But if we don't want to learn, that's our fault. And we need to put ourselves in submission to His will and His power and His Holy Spirit so that He can teach us to be loving people. Everyone can love if we choose to do so, for we are literally taught by God to love. Love is something we decide to do. Everyone can love. But, you know, it's important we know who to love. The greatest commandment. What does the greatest commandment say? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. That's the greatest commandment. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, we are to love God. We are to love our neighbor. And we are to love ourselves. Don't leave that last part out. You know, some people, I know some people that love their neighbor like they love themselves, and they don't love their neighbor at all because they don't love themselves at all. You know? And we're supposed to love ourselves because we're all special creations of God. We are His greatest creation. You know, I love the mountains. I love the ocean. I, you know, you see God's majesty in nature, and you look at all that, and you say, oh, oh that's good. But you know what? The Bible says I'm His greatest creation. You are His greatest creation. You need to love yourself. Love yourself. So finally, everything we do revolves around love. And quite honestly, the level of how we do things, it it revolves around the level of how much we love. Man, if I love somebody, I'll go the extra mile for them. If I love somebody, I'll go the extra 20 miles for them. But if I don't love somebody, eh, it might be hard for me to walk across the street. Isn't that true? And so the level of love that we have determines our level of involvement in many ways. You will invest yourself in whatever you love. In God, you will invest in the things of God if you love God. If you love your church, you will invest in the things that Willow Bend Church is all about. You will invest in this church. If you love your family, you'll invest... In your family. If you love your spouse, I don't want to get in trouble here, but you need to invest in that relationship. You will invest in the things that you love. Love is the most important thing that we do. It's the most important thing that we will ever do. Now, before I close, I just want to say this. Love is not always easy to figure out how to do it well. Isn't that right? It's not always easy to know how to love somebody. Sometimes we really have to, 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 to seek, you know, so, some things are easy. Some things are easy. And some things are hard. And it's not always easy to know how to love somebody. You know, we live in a society today where people will tell you, if you disagree with me, you must hate me. See, I don't believe that. I can disagree with how you decide to live your life. I can disagree with your lifestyle. I can disagree with all. And I can still love you. You know? But we live in a society where if you disagree with me, 
you hate me. Um, I have a friend that lives a little, uh, well, very different kind of lifestyle than I live. We grew up together uh, in high school, the junior high, high school and all that. And, uh, and, and let's just say that he lives an alternative lifestyle. And he knows that I don't agree with his lifestyle. And yet at the same time, you know, we go out to lunch about every six months. And I ask him how he's doing and we visit and we, we enjoy each other's company. And I'm not saying that to brag or anything. I'm just saying that to say that I'm, I'm constantly telling him, David, I care about you. I, I care about you. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? And, and, and I'll tell you that this guy's bipolar. And uh, uh, you look, about half the time he gets mad at me. And one time he even, you know, oh my goodness... You would have loved to have been the fly on the wall in the black-eyed pea in the medical center in San Antonio, Texas about six months ago. Because he got mad at me about something and just chewed me out in front of the whole, the whole restaurant. I don't, a couple of days later, he's got medical problems. About two weeks later, he had a massive heart attack and was in ICU. I went to see him, and I prayed with him and his partner. And when he got out of the hospital, he came back and he said, Oh, my goodness, I thought after I had the way you, I had treated you that I would never hear from you again. And I said, David, that's not who we are. It's not who I am. And so we still have a relationship. Is he still, does he still get mad at me? Yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> but you know, that's just that's just an example of, of of we don't have to agree with people to love them, guys. One of the hardest things that the church has to decide, and one of the hardest things that you at Willowbend are going to have to decide today and in the years to come, is we know God wants us to reach out in love. How do we do that? How do we do that? Because it's not always easy to know how to do that. Isn't that right? What I want you to hear today in my very first sermon as your interim pastor is that maybe we don't know exactly how to do it all the time, but we always ought to be looking for how to do it. Isn't that right? Always looking about how to do it and never give up on love because I think about it like this. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. I accepted Christ years ago, but you know what? I've fallen down so many times I can't even count. God's love for me has never wavered. He's always loved me. He still loves me. And we are to follow His example and love just as He has loved us. Amen? Amen. Let's start with that baseline and let's move forward. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You so much that You love us and that You care about us. We thank You that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could be a part of Your family. Father, we pray as we move into this next chapter of this church's life, this interim period where I will be here for a while and and they will be looking for a new permanent pastor. 